0: The end. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Filling in for Susan Littlefield, I'm Chad Moyer. And today we're joined with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, thanks for joining us uh, here today. It has been kind of a roller coaster in the grains here, uh, sharply higher overnight. We did moderate a little bit uh, in the early part of the session, but it looks like we're getting, again, close to those daily highs here. Uh, Just thoughts in general, last trading day in October, what were the main things that the trade was looking at today.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up, Chad, the the middle part of the day or the pre-lunch trade where the wheat actually sold off and made new daily lows um, because the trade is trading this almost one newswire update and newswire story at a time as far as Russia backing out of and suspending and probably terminating, if you ask me, um, the grain corridor uh, the, the trade, I think, and I think the Western mindset in general has been and continues to be that Russia is going to kind of roll over. They're going to give up. Um, they're they're, going, they're assuming that Russia will back down and concede uh, because uh, they're in such a, a dire need to come to grips with what losses they've had. Um, and this is even though they've shown really clearly the exact opposite almost, at almost every turn. And I think this is where the trade we we go back and we think about october and the month of october so far as you say we're getting ready to close it out we've got almost a dollar twenty five swing in the price of hard red wheat it wasn't two weeks ago that we were sitting at ten thirty seven and a half and we took out a dollar twenty two plus of that uh, just as of last friday and i think that's real indicative of the trade not willing to step in and say We need risk premium because this war in Ukraine is not over. And I think the biggest key that the listener probably needs to understand, and I think the producers in in our country, the ag producers in our country, understand this better than anybody because they're historians. Um, I think the Russians are really entering into their maximum pressure campaign, and it's just starting with winter coming on. And and Vladimir Putin's energy policy and his food policy are one and the same, and that is cut supplies. And I think if you go down that path and you go back the last six months and think about that, that he's been very consistent on both.
0: All right. Um, and there's some other things that are going on here, too. There's been some things, uh, news stories out of South America that we're going to highlight as well. But let's come back. Let's stay with this Russia-Ukraine thing, because there are so many different, it seems like there's so many chapters to this story, because there's the the presentation that Putin wants to put on for the world, but there's also some practical discussions about what farmers have access to in the Ukraine right now, Right.
1: Yes, and I think you bring up a, probably the most important point as to why I really think the trade needs to keep put in an, a risk premium, put in a war premium, if you will, put in a supply premium, and keep it there so that we can ration demand because we can go back two or three months and, and read a lot of stories and hear a lot of Ukrainian farmers tell the world that if they can't get the current supplies out of the out of the ports and off the ships and sold, they're probably gonna go bankrupt and they're probably never gonna come back at least for the next several years. And it could really hurt the spring crop potential as far as acreage base there. And not to mention what's already been planted, but it could even get worse as we get into spring if we don't ration enough demand. And that's as an analyst and as a person that's gone through this a couple times before, I really am concerned about the market not keeping enough risk premium in to ration demand and, and to encourage ukrainian producers to come back in in the spring
0: all right well let's take that since uh... you know there have been some cases uh... you know in in the past where we've seen things like that that happens the the natural question is to ask okay well then what so if, if that happens if if russia bears down if the export corridor goes away and we don't have uh... nearly enough production out of the ukraine okay what happens uh, historically what has the market told us
1: Yeah, historically what happens is what essentially happened last winter and early fall, or early spring, which was led by the energy markets only this time around. It could be not just led by the energy markets, but led by the grain markets, and that is take prices high very, very quickly and cut the knees out from underneath the demand and and also try and encourage in, in the last minute to get the producers out there in the world to go after more production. And I think this is especially more likely this year, Chad, because of the hard red wheat drought in this country, the drought in Argentina's wheat belt that's probably done more damage that is irreversible at this point. And then most recently the flooding in New South Wales, Australia, and flooding in parts of India and all those, key wheat and vegetable oil areas, um, I don't think that's going to go away. And I think the trade probably needs to come back around and swing around to that. So in essence, what I'm getting at with you and the listener today is I think that the hard red wheat probably needs to be closer to $11 in the new crop futures here at the Mercantile Exchange and being led by the European futures to the upside.
0: All right, very quickly, you know, the other grains have their own problems. Corn feed demand, uh, soybeans, uh, we're talking renewable diesel down the road. Uh, Could all of these things impact the other grains as well, Mike?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think as we go into the next segment, I think the key is the trade continues to spread off these markets, and that's in part why they're doing that, Chad, is because they're not willing to take a long position in absolutely everything, and they'd rather pick favorites at this point in time.
0: All right. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we've got a few different things to talk about here in the uh, second segment of the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Uh, still to come, we're going to talk about what's going on in Russia, in, uh, in South America. There was uh, an election in Brazil. We're going to talk about the impacts of that. Uh, one of the perennial things that comes up in South America is a trucker strike. That has floated to the surface as well. We'll see what's going on in livestock as well. So, again, there's a lot of good things coming your way. Stay tuned. Uh, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joins us. eight six six four seven one twenty five eighty eight. 2588 their phone number. Stay tuned, though. We will be back with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. It's coming up in just, moment, just moments here on the Rural Radio Network.
1: With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel-per-acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading-volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontanelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker State. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and
0: RVM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer with you once again with Mike Zuzolo from Global Commodity Analytics. Uh, Mike, let's, uh, chapter two on the grains today, uh, a focus on what's going on in South America. And it's not necessarily with production at this point. There are some political things happening. Imagine that, a political news story. Uh, Tell me about this election in Brazil. What's got the trade's attention there?
1: Well, it looks like uh, the, in Brazilian's, ter- Brazilians' terms the, the leftist, uh, uh, Lula, has won the runoff election. And, and that's really turned the currency markets more in favor of the Brazilian currency at this point, Chad. And, you know, I say that in, very tenderly because we have the Federal Reserve coming out Wednesday, and they're really the ones that kind of rock and move and create the trend in the currency markets. But for right now, the way the market is looking at the win by lula is is that's going to strengthen the brazilian currency maybe it's going to be an issue where their inflation starts to get a little bit more uh, dramatic down there but that's something certainly to watch because if their currency goes too much uh, sharply higher that's going to make us a lot more competitive on the soybean front especially if we can get some rains in the mississippi river valley the other thing i think that this draws out is My understanding is with this win by Lula, uh, there's quite a bit of people in the trucking industry, 12 states as a matter of fact, and in Brazil now saying that they supported Bolsonaro and they're ready to strike. And I think kind of what you're leading into and what I kind of read into tea leaves with what you were just saying is this is kind of a normal thing with Brazil. When you're not happy and you're a trade union or you're a business group, you tend to strike. That's kind of how they vote with their feet
0: yeah uh as far as the the currency play uh if if the uh if the Brazilian currency would all of a sudden go up, you know that's one thing against the dollar, but how does that play against other currencies and therefore our ability to export grain
1: yeah i mean this is where Brazil is obviously one of the bricks, and if their currency goes up in a in a large way in a in a trend like manner, it could drag some of the other major countries like India in China and even Russia and, and South Africa the last of the BRICS uh they could drive them into more of an appreciation in their currency as well and that could actually add more pressure to the US dollar so from an agriculture standpoint and an export standpoint it is a good thing if we would see the Brazilian currency appreciate but you know we need to realize that there are two different you know markets here there's the currency market then there's the port of Paranagua price and you know it's not just made up of the currencies although it does affect it.
0: Yep, all right. Switching over to livestock, uh, let's talk about what happened there. A little bit, uh, looks like some of the deferred strength in the hog futures, but uh, cattle, there was a story, especially on the front end of the live cattle. October went off the board today. You said that was an interesting play as that uh, contract expired today, huh?
1: Yeah, the, the October fats, we haven't settled them out yet, and with only 79 trades today, well, we're down 360 points and went down to 146.77 and that's interesting because that's exactly where the high was last month and that kind of gives you the fingerprint or the footprint of probably the fund trade and i think there was probably some speculators some funds that jumped out at the very end and, and because of those technicals matched up so well but i think this is a bigger issue in terms of the narrative of okay now we've got an october fat cattle price if it expires or you know goes ahead and uh, concludes at 14677 then you're talking about almost a $6 premium in the December fats which take over as lead month futures and so we're going to have to watch this week very closely a to see if the cash market can come up and b to see if it doesn't whether the December cattle decide to go ahead and head down towards the October expiration
0: yeah, I was going to say that that $6 premium, what does that what does that tell you as a guy that watches the market? What what does that mean? Or what should that mean for us farmers?
1: Yeah, with the recent cash market increasing and coming into Thanksgiving seasonal and on the retail side, it's not the beef seasonal right now. It's actually the turkey seasonal and I would say based upon the features that I've noticed, I was noticing at Walmart, there's some boneless spiral cut hams that are priced almost identically per pound with the butterball boneless turkey breast roasts and so you can kind of see the avian flu i think working into the issue of a tight bird supply and the, the retailers going after more ham so that that kind of leaves the beef out for right now so with the cash market appreciating in the cattle last week and the seasonal coming around i think the pressure is going to be on the cash to be able to perform it's probably going to be a difficult uh, push to get the cash any higher than it has been at this stage until we get maybe 30 days down the road.
0: All right. 30 seconds quick. Uh, the keys for the market as we get into November through the end of the year. What are you going to be watching?
1: Well, the big thing, obviously, is going to be the election. And then what's going to happen after, the I should say, after the Federal Reserve this week is going to be the election and see what that does to the equities markets and the currencies. Those two things are probably the biggest things to watch as we go into the holiday seasonals.
0: All right, very good. Mike, it's good to have you on the air. Thank you so much for your time and talents. Again, we've been visiting with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. You can reach him at 866-471-2528. And reminder that uh, trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss. It might not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.